Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson, and I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. I just started recording, and then I was saying how I didn't like the way it sounded, but I was going to not start over. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm starting over. So, so far I'm lying to myself. You know, I don't know. I'm not doing so good. I don't know how to say that in any new way now. It's weird. I uh, It's the same thing I talked about last week, too. It's like, I go to work. I feel so good at work. It's like there's so much ritual to it. And I really, there's ritual and habit. It's like, you take a shower and you put on specific clothes. Like there's so much ritual to that. Like there's so much tactile stuff about like you do it the exact same way. You start off the exact same way. You like put on these fabrics. The fabrics feel a certain way. They do not feel like sweatpants. <laughs> and it's like your whole body, it's like your whole limbic system that is not skeletal limbio system you just know that you're gonna go to work and you I don't know I get into this flow state at work where there's just a task and the task is the task and the task is clear it's like always like a pretty simple question like what should I be doing next it's like a pretty simple question and then you deal with problems and challenges and and they can be hard and stuff but it's like but at least the questions posed are really straightforward. And then I get to the last day of my work week and I clock out and I just like, God damn it, man. I just stare down the abyss of, of two days off and it's like, that's also the same way. Where like, I know what's coming. I know that I'm going to hate it. So now I like even hate the last day and a half of my work week. Just irritable as fuck. Almost started all these fights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Let's just talk about... Let's... Uh, never mind. Oh, whatever. There was this one funny thing on Sunday where, like... I never make plans to hang, to do anything after work. Because I find that very stressful to try to force myself to get out by a certain time because then shit just always happens and it doesn't work out. But so one single time I made plans to do something after work. And then that's the night when everything got super pear-shaped and like 25 people came in exactly when we were closing and my compatriots decided to do some weird shit and it's just like turned into this thing where it's like extra, just hours and hours later than it should have been. And then there was this weird thing about it where, like, uh, um, I gave away a small thing and it turned into a thing where, you know, my buddy Corey, I love, I fucking love Corey. And I was like, here, here, Corey, take this, take this four top. And then it ballooned into a 25 top and they gave him 300 bucks. And my job turned into just sitting there, just waiting for this massive party to now end and I made no money and it's and it I, on the exact night when I was trying to get out of there early for once on the only night ever where I had made plans after and it's just yeah 
but then it's that's actually a very good learning opportunity because it's like Corey is my bro and I really need to lean into a feeling of being happy for someone else that someone just walk up walked up to him and gave him 300 bucks like that's a good thing you know when good things happen to people that we care for we should that should plant a good feeling in your heart but I was already feeling like shit because I'm like, God damn it, my work week is ending and everything's shit. And my fucking plan was going pear-shaped. And then people were doing some fucking weird shit. There was some other weird shit going on. People fucking lying to my face, but whatever. Then, and then, anyway, so then I, I came home. And here's the funny thing. I'm like not doing good and I just I'm off work and I just don't feel good and it's like it makes it very hard to sleep and I just have this like deep anxious black hole feeling in my heart and I just feel like I'm tumbling through dark space and like I've fucked everything up there's a couple of things going on here like I've had these interactions with I've randomly in the recent past, I've had all these different interactions with ex-girlfriends that I haven't talked to for years. And I had ex-partners. Jesus, can't even just say ex-girlfriends. But, but, and I had assumed on everyone's part that all these people that I haven't talked to for a long time, I just went ahead and assumed that everyone was doing all right. And maybe they weren't, and maybe they had negative things to say about me. And it's a little bit like, if you take time out of your day, because I didn't reach out to these people, if you take time out of your day to reach out to some ex from years ago to say something mean, it's very possible that it's not really about that ex. It's very possible that it's like about your own pain. So it's not the things where they say that I'm a shit person. I don't rationally think that they are a very good judge of that. When this goes hand in hand with maybe they saying they're not doing so good, but it's like, it just happened multiple times in a quick succession. I don't know. Probably because I only date liberal women and we're about to lose abortion rights, but who knows? Um, <clears throat> so now they all got really depressed and they all had this same thought at the same time of like, who can I fucking abuse a little bit to make myself feel better? There's always Joachim. <laughs> Here's what I was going to say, though. I was going to say the following. I get off work and I feel really horrible. And then, like, I try to feel better by making food, like... I remember years ago when I was married <clears throat> in a state of bedridden depression, my ex-wife had this, my wife at the time is how I should say it. My wife at the time had this idea of she wanted to stop eating food and she wanted to be more efficient and only do meal replacement shakes that you buy on the internet, fucking Soylent or whatever. And then I was asking my doctor friend, Dr. Carl back in Sweden, what he thought about it. And he was like, yeah, bro, there were all these, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Why was I saying this? I'm just going to finish this thought and then we'll see if I remember why I'm even thinking this. He was like, <clears throat> there's all this research around this and it's very important to 
the preparation of food is very good for your mental health. The eating food together, the breaking of bread, bread, the like gathering food, the, the whole act of gathering and hunting for it and storing it and pray, like having food, caring for your food and then preparing and cooking the food. The whole ritual is like very important and you can't skip any of that. And yes, I was obviously saying this because re- I, I cook and the cooking, especially baking makes me feel better. I bake every single, I bake a big loaf of bread every single week. And it's like this little break I get where I feel better. <clears throat> I love baking. And then, so another thing I've been doing is like, uh, I make muesli. So I, um, basically you can't get, in, in Sweden, you, you have this great brand. There are all these different, there's like a hundred different muesli brands. And um, the good brand is AXA. And then they have their premier line, which is like the F. It has a big F on the front. I don't know why. And then they have like nine different versions, tropical, nuts, protein. And it's like just oats and all these like spelt, all these like incredible things, all these incredible flaky, crunchy things. And like this, um, what's a fun word? Medley, a medley of nuts and dried fruits, you know, papaya, mango, pineapple, all these things dried, cubed up, no sugar added. And then in America, it's, you only have one. You can go to Safeway and you can get muesli and there's one. There's more than one thing that has muesli on the box, but those things are not muesli. There's muesli and there's granola. Oh my God, I'm realizing that this is actually something I think I talked about in like episode two or something of the podcast. This is, oh, or maybe I wrote a blog post about this when I first got to America. It's one of the biggest just mind fucks to me that they don't have muesli. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I it also reminds me now in this moment of how um, I, I, I'm reading this book, uh, Crying in H Mart by, it's written by a lady who's actually a singer in a band. I don't know what her name is, but people like it. President Obama put it on his reading list, maybe. Who knows? People love this book, Crying in H Mart. It's about a Korean lady. She's Korean American. She's an American born Korean lady, but her mom is full Korean. And the whole thing is about that. It's about how her mom died and her biggest way it's a it's nonfiction it's her memoir it's her ode to her mother <clears throat> it's actually very nice because the book is called crying in h mart and it's really just about that it's about going to h mart which is an asian grocery store korean specifically um and crying because you see these products that you used to eat with your mom and your mom's english wasn't that good maybe but the food was incredible and there's so much culture around the food and you do all this stuff. And it's like, <clears throat> there's this one line in there about how, you know, just the condiments, like there's two aisles of just chili oils in H Mart. And then, or you can go to Safeway and there's like an aisle where a third of the aisle is something called like fucking foreign or ethnic, you know, where they cram together everything. And then you have these offensive things where like, Japanese kikoman soy sauce is next to sriracha, as if those aren't from like vastly different places. You know what I mean? 
Idzu marmalade is ne- next to a fish sauce. Red Boat brand fish sauce from Vietnam. Indian food. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, being offended by it is silly because it's just capitalism and economics. Like, you can't just... But the fact that there is H-Mart is incredible. And then my own super lonely version of that is that you can go and there's one box of muesli in Safeway, one brand, and it's fucking awful. It's so gross. And it's super dry and no one ever buys it. So it's super old and dry and it's fucking German because the Germans do muesli, but they do, they do it poorly. The Germans have the worst grocery stores in the world. What's the name of that one? I always talk shit about it. Lotte. I can't even remember, man. I'm like, I don't remember anything about Sweden anymore. Everyone goes to the cheap, the cheapest grocery store in Sweden is the German brand. Anyway, the point is that I thought about it and I was like, I can do it myself. And so I Googled the AXA brand, the best muesli in Sweden. And I tried to get just like, what does the box say on the side? What are the ingredients? And they're so secretive that there's nowhere on the internet where you can just see the side of the box and see the ingredients. Completely impossible. Also because the Swedish internet is a little bit small. So I had to go to just the pictures of the front. So I got the big picture which has a photo on the front of all the different nine different ones. And I looked at all the different things and I Googled a, a ton of it. And I got to figure out like 16, 17, 18 good ingredients in muesli. So I buy like five different flakes, you know, spelt. And then I I ask my mom, you know, and you do all these like all these different black little seeds, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, not sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds though. And like, what are the little and chia seeds and all the little black ones? Um... So I, I go on Amazon and I spent like 450 bucks because if you want, because you got to go big, right? To make it make sense. So I got like, you know, cashews is 50 bucks and then you just keep going and you do 19 ingredients, 450 bucks. So I get all this stuff, takes up like an enormous amount of space in my kitchen. And then I, I go get these glass jars, you know, the nice glass jars with the lid, with the, with the rubber ring so you can close them and you can clasp them shut with the rubber ring so they're nice and sealed with the rubber seal so i go and i like chop up all the dried fruit and crush the uh, the nuts a little bit and take all the the fucking spelt and the oatmeal and the um straight fucking um i swear too much i swear too much today this week at work or yesterday yesterday at work it's like It's me and London in there and we're doing a good job. And I'm like, she's about to leave and I'm about to be the manager. And, and she like walks in on me. She walks into the kitchen while I'm like screaming about this tuna tostada being like, so what the fuck is going on about this tuna tostada? And she just looks at me like, she doesn't have to say anything. Cause I know, you know, the darkest place of torment is in my own heart. That's, that's what That's what I wrote in my novel. You didn't kill me because you knew that if you let me live, my darkest place of torment would be in my own heart. 
Ah, that's what the main character says to the Chinese Communist Party, because they let him live, even though he fucked up. Um, they let him live, even though he's a piece of shit fucking Swede, a dirty fucking potato Swede. So, <clears throat> this story, we're getting there, bro. This story, we're going to get there. So, I curse too much which I will come back to later because I have another thing to say about how I curse too much. I curse too much, I curse too much in the kitchen and London's just looking at me like she doesn't have to say anything because she knows that why are you cursing about a tuna tostada? You shouldn't be using dropping F-bombs about a tuna tostada, but that's fine. That's fine. Here's the point. I make muesli myself. I put it in a glass jar. It's late at night. I am... <clears throat> teetering on the edge of bedridden levels of clinical fucking rising to the level of personality disorder, depression stuff. I am not doing good. It's 1 a.m. I have just made muesli. I have prepared a glass jar of muesli. I put it on the counter. I emptied the dishwasher because we have to do these things to give our life a sense of structure and a sense of forward momentum and a sense of having something. If we don't empty the dishwasher and refill the dishwasher, then it's like really, really hard to pretend. And we have to pretend. We have to get up in the morning. We have to put it all in a little box and we have to pretend. And if there's dirty dishes all over the counter, it gets very, very hard to pretend. Okay? So I emptied the dishwasher and I have all these fancy, neat little hooks where I hang the wok and the second wok and the frying pan and the second frying pan and the pots and pans of the Orient. That's what I would always... <laughs> okay, new tangent, new tangent. My, the woman I was married to, it's so funny. Oh, I talk about her too much, it's so funny. But she was uh, super into ancient Chinese art. Like, she liked black and white fucking drawings on, on silk rolls, or scrolls and deciphering an old Chinese character and shit. And then she went to, she had a bachelor degree in art history and then she wanted to move to America because she wanted to go to grad school for art history, Chinese art history. So she's out there like um, dating and writing about old Chinese artists, uh, 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 art objects is what I should say. And then now uh, she has worked at a, ever since she graduated, she immediately got a job at an auction house and um, <laughs> where she dates and, and price, puts the price tag on, decides how much an ancient Chinese art object should be worth. So what I was going to say is that the hilarious thing that I always said about it is that she was, uh, that she worked in uh, Pots and Pants of the Orient. Oh, God. Pots and Pants of the Orient. That wasn't as funny as that wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. But that's okay. That's okay. Anyway, I hang my pots and pans on little hooks. Pots and pans of the of the Americas. I hang them on these little hooks <clears throat> and I got my head in my headphone. My my head canceling net headphones on. I got my noise canceling headphones on. I wish I had some head canceling ones though. Um, 
reminds me of that meditation book by Harding called The Man With No Head, which is like an entire book about meditation um, exercises that you should do. And in each exercise, you need to notice how in your perception of the world, in your consciousness, where which is everything you know about the world, everything you know about the world is these appearances in consciousness. And nowhere in that world, in your consciousness, is there an appearance of your head. Your head does not appear. You can hold your hand up in front of your face in the middle of your consciousness and visually feel like it's there, but your head is nowhere. And he thought that was so fucking cool that he wrote an entire book about it, called it The Man With No Head, and every single meditation exercise is about discovering that you have no head, and everyone loves that book. And I have to say that I don't exactly get it. Moving on, I have my noise-canceling headphones on, and I take the trash out, because like I said, we have to do these things to be able to pretend. So I walk down to the garage where we throw the trash, and I take my headphones off because there's hella bear and coyote and mountain lion eating my trash. So I don't want to wear, I don't want to be like a city guy <laughs> who does everything with noise canceling headphones. And then you walk around the dark corner in the middle of the night at 1.30 a.m. to your trash cans. And there's like a bear with some bear cubs. And you literally get like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, it's like one in three that that's going to happen to me in the next 12 months. But, you know, anyway, because bear is in the trash all the time. Um, <clears throat> it's a major problem. But so I go down there, I throw the trash. And then when I come back upstairs, the pots and pans of the West hanging on hooks over the counter have fallen down on the counter, crushing the nice glass container, the big glass jar with the beautiful green rubber seal with my freshly made muesli, crushing the glass and making it so that there... First, I didn't even understand what I was seeing. You know, when you're just like looking at it and it's like glistening on the floor and there's like weird dust and it's like, why the fuck are there chia seeds on my toe? You know? And then... I'm like looking around and I'm like confused. And then I get it, you know, I get it. And it like must have been so loud and Javi was sleeping upstairs. And he has told me that he's now living upstairs. And he has told me that he used to live in the corner bedroom all the way over. And I used to do podcasting upstairs. And then now we've shuffled it around a little bit. And he's described how it's a little bit like the entire house is a yeah, what is that called? Like an inverted trumpet or whatever, where you all the sound of the entire house is gathered by the entire house and shuffled and, and forwarded and magnified and enhanced and, um, uh, you know, played to him in the upstairs. It's very loud up there. Whatever noise there's going, oh God, I can't even talk. It's late at night. I haven't done one of these late at night pods in a long time, but now I did. So what I was going to say is, I'm not doing so good, but when that happens and the pots and pans fall and crush my muesli, that's fine. That's not a problem at all. And which surprises me because I feel like if I'm teetering on the edge of a breakdown, a thing like that 
work sh- should be the thing that pushes me over the edge. But I'm just like a much, I'm a much more social person. Where like, when the pots fall and crush my, my muesli jar, that's just a task. That just means that the fucking task at hand is for once really clear. That, yeah, we got to get the broom out and we got to vacuum it. And then we got to go under the stove and under the fridge and get all the crushed glass out. And then we got to move all the boxes and everything and move all the things away to the side and check for glass everywhere and get the muesli. And then we got to go into the carpeted area because you know it exploded real good and went into the living room too. And then we got to get on down on all fours and... <laughs> it's funny. Americans use this expression, being down on your hands and knees. American women, every single American woman I've dated for like a long period of time has at some point in our relationship been screaming at me about something she did that I didn't do that involved her being on her hands and knees. And it's like, it's like this weird, it's almost like a weird stitching effect where like, um, you're standing with someone in your face screaming at you and they're like, and I'm down on my hands and knees. And then in that moment, you're reminded of every other time someone has screamed at you about hands and knees. And it's like, oh, three years ago, I was dating that person and they screamed at me about this. And then eight years ago, and then like 15 years ago in Shanghai, I was dating Renee and and she was screaming at me about it. And it's like this weird little, it's like a stone skipping along your timeline, just touching it like 15 and 12 and 8 and 5 and right now. All of those moments are threaded together. There's like a needle threading all those moments together. It's like a little bit of like a trauma quilt. I don't know. I don't like it when people yell at me. But I enable it somehow by never yelling back or something. I don't know. I'm probably a piece of shit. And then I had this thing where my chili oil that I went to the... I wanted to go to the Asian grocery store. That's how you got to describe it to someone. You got to go to the Asian grocery store. Even though that's... I don't like the sound of that. Because it's not specific. Because then you end up in... One that's Filipino. You know? And I'm looking at you, Katie. So my chili oil from the Filipino fucking grocery store fell over in the... Why? Why? I I have to... Okay, for the rest of this episode, I'm not going to curse. This is a Tuesday. For the rest of this week, I'm not going to use any swear words. My chili oil fell, fell over in the fridge. And it's also one of those things where, like... Sometimes when you have a ma- major cleanup thing, at first you don't even understand what you're looking at. Because I, I was I'm pulling out the drawer at the bottom of the fridge, and there was like these bags of broccoli and asparagus and stuff, celery. And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, why are they like neon red? Like, what's going on here? And I'm just realizing that there's that there there's like thick layer of chili oil at the bottom of the whole thing. And then I'm looking above it and I'm like, oh, this is not a this is not a design on the fridge here, all this red stuff here. And just every single layer is just like covered in bright red chili oil. So I cleaned the whole fridge. And I took the jar of chili oil, which is now dry and full of chili flakes. And I took it and I crushed fresh peanuts and put them in there. And I chopped up fresh red chilies 
and I put them in the jar and I filled the jar back up with canola oil to make like make like a new batch of chili oil because you get like good like deep flavored spicy chili oil from the store but you can actually use the oil and then just pour more oil on there and you'll get some good stuff you know so which is a little bit like um taking a hand soap and when you're running out you're just pour water in there and it's like there's soap in the mix so you're squirting your hands with water but there's some soap in the mix and you can make it last longer and it's like we're the working poor here you know you know Hey, I keep talking about how my crypto portfolio is cratered, but it like keeps recratering. You know, you think it's reached the bottom, but hey, it hasn't. Hey, 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 it's worth like nothing now. Hey, can it go to zero? I don't know. I don't know if it can go to zero, okay? Anyway. Chili oil everywhere. Have to take, I'd spent like an afternoon, you know, um, taking everything out of the fridge, getting a hot fucking rag and wiping down every object in the fridge because it's all covered in chili oil. Just taking every part, taking the whole thing apart, wiping the inside of the fridge, wiping the whole thing. And then here's the thing. I made a new batch of chili oil. <laughs> I put everything into the fridge. The fridge looked really good, you know, because it hadn't been cleaned for a while. And then after the pot falls on the muesli and I have glass and muesli everywhere, after I clean that up, I look in my supposed to be clean fridge and it just the exact same thing just happened again. Like my chili oil, that Lao Ganma brand chili oil, the, the lid is just not on very good and I keep putting it not in the door and I it's a it's a tall glass jar that doesn't stand it doesn't it has a high up center of gravity you feel me so it just has fallen over again and there is once again chili oil on everything <laughs> there's chili oil on everything again like three days ago and this time when I see it, I don't need a lot of time to identify what's going on. I'm just like, oh, I've seen this movie. I saw this movie recently. Three days ago. Jelly oil on everything again. Well, I'll be darned. And the thing is... That you'd think that someone teetering on the edge of a breakdown would break down in these moments. But these are not the things that get to me. I just cleaned the whole fridge again at 1.30 a.m. It didn't, I don't even care. I don't mind. It's such a clear task. You just do it. You just wipe everything down with something hot. You just spend 60 minutes on it and it's fine. <sighs> There's something about that and like how I'm at work, I'm in a flow state, I know what the task is, we work on the task. And sometimes the task is a human being, you know? Like the tasks are not that easy. And sometimes I run out of ideas. And sometimes I'm impressed by people that by other people. Like like a few days ago, we, I, we had this really... Um, I've mentioned this, how James was also promoted. And a few days ago, he had this belligerent guest who was like, thought that the room was stuffy. And for security reasons, we have shut the windows so you can't open the windows. And the guest is just like angry, 
just angry. And she wants another room and we're fully booked and I can't get her another room. And Sarah at the front desk is like, I don't know what to tell this lady. Like, she is so angry and we cannot open the windows. And I just didn't have an idea. And then James walks into the situation with two glasses of red wine, but a glass of red wine in each hand. And he's just like, give me a key. I'll go over there. And I was in that moment, I looked at him and I was like, James, you're all right. You're all right, James. He was like, just ask her if a, a two glasses of wine would make her more comfortable. And they did. They made her more comfortable. Anyway, so, but the point is that, uh, <laughs> the point is that sometimes the task, at least the task is clear, but then you get off work and it's like, what the fuck should I be doing, you know? It's, all, it's like the difference of, between a video game and reality where like in a video game, there's this world where the creator of the video game has, you can trust that there is a solution to the problem. Like they have baked in all these problems, all these challenges to it, but there is a solution. So you look at something and it looks like it's like impossible, but you have to just walk around, around, around or Google it and there's going to be a solution. But like then you get off work or then you turn the video game off and it's like, I might die alone. There might not be anyone for me out there, you know? And it's like... I don't know that I trust the creator of this video game that we're living in to actually have a solution to the problem in here, you know? Like, I don't know that everything is going to be all right. And it's actually like one of the key just things that I haven't figured out about AA, which is like AA is in the end a thing where you have to believe in something bigger than yourself and you have to trust that thing. And I can conceptualize something bigger than myself, like the hive mind of the group. Or, you know, I can come with a, with a, I can come up with a thousand things that are smarter than me and bigger than me and more powerful than me and, and whatever. But conceptualizing them as the entire universe and just trusting that everything will be okay is a leap for the cynic hyphen nihilist hyphen atheist hyphen pessimist hyphen you know podcaster god i hate that i have a podcast I hate that I have a podcast. Breaks my heart. I don't know that I trust that there's a solution. You know, and honestly, since since we're just talking about my ex-wife, I think maybe... I think maybe one of the things that brought me into that relationship and made me believe in that relationship is that there was a clear problem. Like she had like some pretty well labeled mental health issues. Like the doctor's label maker was online and he printed little labels and he stuck little labels on them. So we knew what they were. And then I found myself capable of caring for some of those problems that happened there. And I found that to be a, f- a flow state I could work on, work with. A flow state that I found it acceptable to be in. 
even though it was like, you know, despair, like you're dealing with someone's despair, someone's complete self-annihilating bottomless pit of black feeling. You're dealing with that, but still though, it's like there's a couple of practical things that you do and you do them over and over and then eventually it's a little bit better and it's like there's at least something where you know what to do. Oh, fuck. Oh yeah, and then there's this other thing that happened. It's like, I'm all, I get off work, I'm depressed, I go to bed, it's really hard to sleep, I wake up, and then I, I'm like up, and I'm like doing this like fucking Harvard course, computer science fucking course, whatever, I'm so depressed, I'm never going to get through it, I'm a loser, um... And I just like go on Facebook when it gets too hard and I'm scrolling through Facebook and this ad pops up from the bitter housewife and it's me, it's my face, it's a video of me, it's a video from this podcast where they have taken my podcast, they've taken a 23 second snippet of it. And the sound is off automatically. Like, you scroll through Facebook and the, it's not automatically playing the sound. And I see it, and I'm like laying in my bed. And I don't, I don't play it. I don't play it. I just see it. And I, it's not a total surprise because six months ago I did get some sort of email where they were like, hey, we, could we use that? Could we use that in an ad? And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then that's six months ago, so I knew about it and I okayed it, but they didn't ask me and I had forgotten and it's six months, so whatever. But um, I'm in bed and I just see my face moving and they put all these cartoony animations on it and stuff and I don't even unmute it. I don't even watch it. I just close my computer and get up out of bed and I go out on the porch and I just sit on the porch because I'm just like, Oh, fuck. Not today. I can't deal with this today. I can't deal with my stupid fucking nasal voice. Today. And I didn't even watch it. It's a 23 second video snippet that they edited and put some cartoons on it and sound effects and stuff and 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 it took me two hours to watch it i didn't watch it until two hours later and yeah i curse too much in this podcast and that fucked the the whole thing is fucked up because i curse because it's the bitter housewife and this is the video it's so fucking funny <laughs> because it's like i hold up the can i'm all excited i say the bitter housewife and then I crack it open and I take a sip and then I say, fuck. And then they bleep that out and just put an animation on my mouth and bleep it. And then I take another sip <laughs> and then I say, fuck, that's delicious. So the like 80% of the words I use were bleeped out because I they were curse words. It's like, great, great, 
Great job. I think I might be holding myself back there a little bit. I think, not that I want this to be successful, because I truly in this moment do not. I truly in this moment hate that I have a podcast, and I I hate that I have a podcast, and I just want the 34 people who are listening right now to be the only 34 people, and that's it. I want, I want y'all to close the door behind y'all. Oh, but maybe in other spheres of my life, maybe at work, maybe in my professional and social life, I'd be a little bit more successful if I didn't curse like a sailor. It's tough though. I'm a Swede, you know. These words don't have a lot of weight to me. They're just made up, they're just complicated air. What are English words if not complicated air? Now, Swedish words, they are art. It's different. Anyway, something else. What else was I talking about? Yeah. And then two hours later, I watched it, and then I went to the gym, and then while I was driving home from the gym, I was like, okay. I got to face my demons and just share, reshare the fucking bitter housewife sparkling water advertisement. I have to reshare it on my own thing and not approach life with fear and self-defeat. And then I have to comment on it and be like, hey, check out the full episode, even though I hate the full episode. Uh, so here's the thing. I, um, like a month and a half ago, um, Erica, uh, bartender Joey's girlfriend messaged me and was like, Hey, what's your attachment style? You should do a, you should do a self-assessment attachment style thing. Do the quiz, do the questionnaire, figure out what your attachment style is. I'd be interested to know based on. All this complaining that you do on the podcast. So I respond, oh, thank you, Erica. I'll do that tomorrow. And then because I'm a piece of shit, I didn't do it tomorrow. I didn't do it the tomorrow and I didn't do it the day after tomorrow. But a month and a half later, after staring at this bullet on my to-do list for 90 days and 90 days being like, meh. I'll do it tomorrow. Literally, I I say that as, as if it's a joke, but it's like I have a very pra- like I use workflowy. I have a to do list. A to do list is like I look at it forty times a day, and I don't do anything on it. But so I look at this thing forty times a day for ninety days, and then I do it. So I did it yesterday. I did it yesterday. I went on the fucking attachmentstyle.com or whatever it's called. And I sat down and I really carefully answered the questions while thinking about them, finding it very hard to answer them or medium hard. The hard part is remembering because it's it's all like in your first three years of your life, did your dad give you a lot of encouragement? It's like, bro, I don't remember anything from before my sobriety date, which is when I was fucking in my 30s. Okay. I don't remember anything. I have no idea. 
but I tried. And then it turns out that I have a fucking preoccupied, insecure attachment style, just like everyone else. Actually, you know what I think it is? And this is a very depressing thing that no one wants to say out loud, but that we should all just... Nah, I mean, people say this out loud. People say this out loud and it sounds stupid, but it's so true. And it's just like, the people who are like good partner candidates, they are the people who are like okay with themselves. They are people who know how to be alone and they are secure in themselves and they have a good image of who they are. And then with other people they can give, they can pair up with someone and be giving and be a listener. And then they pair, those people at 19 pair up with other people who are like that or at 22 or 24. And all those people that just pair up when they're 23 with some other person who also has a calm innard, a calm you know, bowels, system of bowels. They pair up with other people who don't have IBS and then they end up in infinitely long relationships. And it's like, the good ones are not, like, if, yeah, it's the world's most boring take. But it's like, if you do attachment style quizzes on everyone, I promise you that everyone in their 30s on a dating app has a has a has daddy issues, you know? I definitely have daddy issues. I don't have mommy issues though. Is what I realized. My mom was a great mom. And I've always been trying to tell myself like um that that, that must be good enough. I had a great mom. That must be enough. But I think maybe it wasn't enough. So anyway, so I'm I'm fucking trying to do this thing and I do the questionnaire and they email you a PDF. It's like a seven-page PDF with a fucking description of what your goddamn problem is. Oh my God, I cannot stop using curse words. Um, so I read the whole thing and the, the, <laughs> there's this one thing that jumped out at me that's just, it's so funny when you read something and realize that you've been taking something for granted your entire life and no one, like, I have many thoughts about this. I'm going to read it first. Listen to this. It's two sentences. You struggle with being single or alone for periods of time. Relationships and intimacy intimacy are strongly connected with an anxious attacher's feelings of self-worth. Therefore, you may crave attention and try to impress others in an attempt to get it. So when I read that, I was like, it was as if I was reading like, it, it was as if someone wrote like, yeah, people named Joachim Erickson usually have to like inhale oxygen to survive. And as I read it, I'm like, what? I thought that's what everyone was like. I thought that we just always derive our entire idea of self-worth from the words and cues of other people. I didn't know that there was another thing. And then when you read it, you can, for the first time, fall back and see yourself from the outside and be like, oh, so I should just be okay without someone constantly telling me that I'm okay? 
And it's like, I'm 35 and I've never realized that. It's so funny to me. It's so funny. Oh, it's so funny. I'm so impressed with people that come up with this stuff because it's like, it's like I'm, I'm trying to teach myself programming right now. And you just, you learn all these different, you know, formulas and actions. You do it in C, you do it in Python, whatever. And it's like, they're really easy to understand. They're super logical and you copy them down and you put the thing in the thing in the parentheses and, and then you forget the semicolon, blah, blah, blah. The point is that you can like create infinitely complicated stuff with this code. But the code is like quite understandable once you look at it and if you can just, if you're just allowed to Google or ask. Like none of it is really, I don't know. There's probably some super complicated math there in the mix. But, but anyway, the point is that like, if someone gave you a computer program the way they look once they're done and you're using them or like a video game and then told you told you hey guess the guess the source code for this shit you'd be like what do you mean guess the source code for this shit there's no way to like puncture through the graphics of this video game to know the sort to like to recreate the source code you have to show me the source code or i could like come up with my own source code to create something that creates the same output, but I have no way of knowing if that's the same source code. I could be using completely different source code to get the same end result. But psychology is a little bit like that, where it's like, we have this end, end result here, which is the consciousness, and then we're supposed to like guess our way to the source code. And then some people do. Then you get Carl Jung and he gets to arguing and and he like guesses the source code and and then <laughs> and then there's this frustrating thing where we have no idea if he's right freud comes up with this like entire constellation of concepts and there's no way to even like really conceptualize what it would mean for like how how much truth is there to something like the id the subconscious like i don't know you know and then someone sits down and and, and gives me this pdf where it says hmm, i'm not sure alexa stop listening i'm sorry i'm sorry alexa rudely i abuse my technology i'm sorry i'm sorry Someone on the internet gives me a PDF and describes to me what my problem is because they have somehow reverse engineered the human consciousness and figured out what the source code is. And they're telling me that I have a problem called insecure attachment and it makes it so that my entire sense of self-worth is derived from whether other people tell me about me. And so I cannot be single or alone. So I'm a serial monogamist and... People say things to me and that's how I get my feeling of self-worth. And when I'm out there, I, when I'm in a group of people, I always have to be performing because I need reactions from them. Otherwise, otherwise what? Otherwise I cease to exist? Otherwise I, 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 it's just fear. It's like this weird fear where like, the worst case scenario isn't that clear. The fear is very large, but what? It's a it's a fate worse worse than death. Like what what happens? 
What happens when the people stop laughing? God, I hate that I have a podcast. <clears throat> Episode 82. 48 minutes in, we've reviewed zero waters. Um, someone that I was, I was hoping, I was hoping that this person was doing good and that this person was doing good on their own and that this person was okay with me. Someone like that sent me a, a link yesterday to a TikTok video because this is how people in their mid-30s abuse each other. To a TikTok video where this lady goes, if you're a white man and you already have a bad personality, then don't compound the problem by also having a podcast. <laughs> it's so fucking mean. Oh, and my entire sense of self worth was annihilated because I have nothing on my own. No podcasts for you. That's what the person in the TikTok said. If you're a white man and you already have a bad personality, don't compound the problem by also having a podcast. There is something mean, though, about that sentiment where it's like you and we say this about many things where it's like, OK, so if you don't like the things I tweet, you don't have to read them like you don't have to follow me on Twitter on Twitter. If you don't like, you know, if you don't like this content that I'm putting out here, be it whatever kind of content, you don't have to look at it. But I also I just really feel like podcasts specifically are so they are not in your face. Like you have to really seek this out. I'm 50 minutes into, I'm so, like, you have to, you don't stumble upon minute 50 of This Week in Sparkling Water. So why are you mad that this is out here, you know? Yeah, as I say that, I don't believe it. As I say that, the only thing I believe is the criticism. Oh, God, I really, really believe that I have something that people call a bad personality. And I don't actually, that's not super descriptive. I don't actually know what it means, but it, but it doesn't sound good. A bad personality. <sighs> my eyes, I'd like, they're a little, my eyes are tearing up a little bit because this is like not good. I don't, this is not. This is not a good moment for me. <sighs> oh, and it's just because my dad didn't like uh it's so funny because because in the in the questionnaire they um keep talking about like 
Did your dad, like, really sort of encourage you and express joy when you presented him with stuff? Which is such a, like, when you're a single person in your 20s and you kind of hate kids and you think you're never going to be a parent or whatever, you look at that, you look at kids showing some stupid fucking drawing or something they made out of sand or whatever stupid thing they made, showing it to their parents and their parents having to pretend that it's, that it's cool you look at that when you're a sultry, angry, negative um, uh, 24-year-old raced by the movie Fight Club, not the book, um, because you're not like, you're too shallow for the, to be raced by the book, but you were raced by the movie. Um, and you look at that and you're like, it's so silly that that parent has to go through this this like meaningless kabuki dance exercise of praising this child for making a pile of sand or for taking a yellow crayon and rubbing it back and forth and just making like a yellow area on a piece of paper or like whatever completely unattractive piece of content this, you know, I have no idea about kid ages, a two-year-old has created, four-year-old, I don't know, how old are kids? How old are kids these days? Um, but that meaningless exercise of parents joyously praising their children when they present them with something boring is apparently integral to the, to the development of the human mind. And apparently my dad didn't say that to me enough when I was a kid because my dad... You know, my dad didn't get out of bed much. You know, he was a little bit, you know. My dad kind of like, you know. It was like that book, My Year of Rest and Relaxation. You know what I mean? I think about that book all the time now when I drink coffee. For some reason, coffee is the biggest takeaway from that book. It's like about this lady who is depressed and she's on all these antidepressants and downers, heavy, heavy downers. And so she sleeps until like 2 p.m. every day. And then she gets out of bed and she's super groggy. And she goes downstairs and she's living in New York and it's like raining or snowing or something. And she's wearing a robe and she goes to the corner store, the bodega, and she like gets two big cups of black coffee. And maybe some snacks, but mostly just coffee. And then she goes back and she drinks all the coffee, but she's only up for two hours. And then she takes massive downers and she falls asleep at like 5 p.m. again. And there's something like truly so depressing about, I don't know, for some reason that the highest form of depression is drinking coffee and then still being able to fall asleep. I don't know. For some reason, that's the... That's peak. That's just peak depression. That's when you're a real pro. Let's drink a water. Um, so this episode, we're doing tangerine lime. So, Topo Chico tangerine. Topo Chico tangerine. Topo Chico. I can't even get into this thing. Oh, God damn it. I couldn't open it. I'm sorry. Topo Chico Twist O Tangerine. Ooh, that smells. I haven't had a sip yet. That smells so real. Ooh. 
Oh my God. Okay, hot take though. LaCroix Tangerine is better. LaCroix Tangerine is a slightly stronger and completely photorealistic virtual reality perfect version of a tangerine. Like when you drink LaCroix Tangerine, the appearance in consciousness is a tangerine. This is a little bit more. It's got a little bit of a fakey thing. It's delicious, though. It's still an 8 out of 10. It's tough, though. You know, tangerine is very competitive. Here in the sparkling water world, different flavors are different levels of competitive, and and tangerine might be the most competitive because grapefruit is more accessible. Grapefruit somehow is always perfect. There's like a dozen perfect grapefruits out there. But tangerine, they haven't, it's, um, it's a narrow field. It's only the big brain boys down at LaCroix that has, has it completely figured out. And here, these people at Topo Chico were trying to copy paste the source code of a little bit of LaCroix tangerine and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Yeah. Parents who raise children with healthy self-esteem repeatedly express their joy about who the child is rather than what the child does. Oh, I actually missed the point there a little bit, huh? It's not so much that you should say that the sandcastle is great. You should say that the child is great. They focus on being rather than doing. Such parents exhibit expressed delight to the child and about almost everything the child does. The focus... They focus not on the chores, but on the joys of parenting. Wow. Oh, man. That is nicer. Because I was thinking about this, and I was like, thinking about having the the hypothetical idea of having kids one day. And and I do feel like, yeah, like you, you are automatically just blown away by the existence of children because they came from your body and then the stuff that they do will also quickly impress you but really what you should do is you should like look into the eyes of the person and be like wow that's crazy that you're here yeah I didn't know you were going to be here my two year old son oh what else is on this paper Yeah. Here's the thing I've been thinking about. It's like (laughs) we all have something that you can wake up in the middle of the night terrified of that you have to like. So I was on unemployment benefits for a bit there during COVID, which is a very shameful thing to say in some circles. And in other times, not. It's interesting. I went to a um, comedy show in Sacramento and the guy was doing crowd work and he was asking people what they do for a living. And then one of them was like, he was roasting people and um, one person was like, 
I work at the unemployment department. And it, and he was like, first, it took him a second to figure out a bit about it, but then it turned into this thing where we all admitted as a group, everyone in the room, like a hundred people in the audience and the comedian on stage, we all admitted that we had been on unemployment benefits a ton in the last two years because of COVID. So it turned into this thing where like, you're the real hero. You work at the unemployment department. You're a fucking hero. And he described like the comedian described being on the benefits and having a girlfriend and the girlfriend had her job and he would just make more money than her. And, and, um, but anyway, the point is that, um, I, um, I was on them and, and I do want to throw in the, this disclaimer that like they shut our restaurant down. We all ended up on unemployment benefits. And then when they opened back up just for takeout, I was the first person to be like, I want to work. So I'm, I say that as, as if to say I'm not a completely lazy piece of shit. And I, um, I still want to be able to judge people who are, welfare queens you know i still it's like my dad you know my dad has been on welfare for 40 years but he is the most judgmental about immigrants who go to sweden and just are a burden on the welfare state absolutely no introspective knowledge absolutely no honesty vis-a-vis the self Absolutely nothing. Just Swedish Fox News on repeat. We didn't even have it. I don't even understand how these people can be so like, it's interesting. It answers the question of what came first, chicken or egg? You know, Fox News or the Fox News viewer? Um, in Sweden, we have hella Fox News viewers, but we don't have Fox News. So we just have people who are potential Fox News viewers watching Swedish state television that still they still have a stranglehold on the news feed, you know? And yeah, and they just don't buy into it and and yeah. Anyway, what I was going to say is that I was on unemployment benefits for a while because then they threw us they shut us back down, blah blah blah, and then I moved to California, blah blah blah, there's a little bit of here. It quickly racks up. They gave me tens of thousands of dollars. As they did that to everyone. We all got so much fucking money, which is now why the economy is tanking. More on that later. I feel like I was going to talk about, I feel like I missed some part of the thing I was saying before, but um, I'm because I was on it and because it's complicated and everyone was trying to figure out the unemployment website at the same time, I joined a Facebook group with where people ask and answer questions about the process. Like, how do you fill out this form? You know, what, what does it mean when they send me this message? And in these groups, every single day, there's dozens of people who are like, I just got an overpayment notification. They're telling me I owe them 35 grand, you know? My case just, my case, blah, 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 something, something. They're telling me I owe them 55 grand. So it's like, I feel bad and money is a part of it. I feel bad and money is a part of it. You know, 
my sense of self-worth is derived from what people say about me to my face. And the price of Bitcoin. And both of those are not, not that great in the last few weeks. Both of those, you know, my self-worth. Some of these statements from previous partners, I lost about 85% of the value in my self. Um, so I had this weird nervous tick where like, because I've read so many posts on in those groups where people are like, they say, they say I owe them 40 grand. Sometimes I just like, at 3 a.m., I'm just like, what if that's me? And I like log in to the fucking Washington State Unemployment Security Department, the ESD.WA.GOV or whatever. And I just log in and I just click on all the buttons to see if there's any, because you have all these cases. It's like a Byzantine weird government website. So it's not clear if you've gotten a message or not. So you like go to all these different corners and it's all been like, it's all dormant now because all the cases are like inactive because I haven't gotten any money or I haven't had a case for like a long time. And you have to like click deep into all the things to see, did they send me a message? Do I, have they been trying to contact me? Do I owe them 50 grand? And I like do, do that constantly. Like every few days I have to, every few days at, at 3.40 a.m. You find me on esd.wa.gov. It's a good time. It's a good time. The fucking two-factor, um, the two-factor never works, you know? Every single time I tell it to remember this computer, every single time it, it asks me, okay, so... This is your normal computer. We're going to remember this. We're going to not do two-factor next time you want to log in. But you have to name this computer. And every time I name the computer, and then every time it doesn't remember my computer, and I name it every single time, because it's a it's an American government website. And I'm starting to really... The one way how you could make me believe that there's a conspiracy in America where the powers that be want to brainwash us in some weird like indirect way is how everything with the government is so shitty like i it, i could be convinced that they do that on purpose so that we'll hate the government so that we'll vote for the republicans but it makes no sense because everyone in washington is a liberal it, somehow it's like every single ux designer in america lives in the state of washington and works for microsoft or amazon <clears throat> every single one works for aws but you can't get a ux designer to do your esd website like what's going on what's going on what's going on here why are you pushing me over to the right <laughs> that's what crystalia says crystalia is like i'm on your side <laughs> i want to wear a mask oh you but he wears the wrong mask and then people won't serve him coffee because the mask doesn't go over the ears. And he's like, why are you pushing me over to the right? I don't know. I don't think I'm being pushed over to the right. Okay, next topic. Okay, so this is one, this is a weird one. It's like, um, again, I have to be completely anonymous here because this is, incredibly sensitive but but um i have this acquaintance that i've never really 
talked to at length before. And then recently, I just like, somehow, this person is passing by, and we, there's something we were saying, we, nor, we do acquaintance talk, and it never lasts more than 45 seconds, and then somehow, this time around, something was said in those 45 seconds that triggered off a bigger thing, and we started talking about... um bigger things. And this is a person who's like a little bit older than me. Excuse me, a little bit of a Topo Chico burp there. The person is older than me. The person has a kid. The person is married. The person has a lot more money than me. And these are things that I aspire to, you know, this is a situation that I am jealous of. And then I just, for some reason, we start talking about this and like women and dating and different things that we want and how stuff is going. And, and this person just opens up and it turns out that there's this like other thing going on where the person is completely jealous of my situation because there's a feeling of having settled and there's a feeling of being trapped and there's a fee there's just all this stuff you know and it's so it was i i don't know it was like she's driving me crazy and it's like i meet her and and she's so nice and she's so nice to me and she's so pretty and their kid seems cool I don't know. I don't really get kids. I feel like you don't get it until you get your own, but but I like the idea of kids. And he's like, she fucking yells at me in front of the kid, bro. She yells at me in front of the kid. And then he starts talking about money, and he's like, all his money is like trapped in all these fucking things. And the price of Bitcoin, you know? The price of Bitcoin hit us all. I don't know. Maybe I don't have that much to say about it more than just like, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. We're always all jealous of each other. But when that actually comes and like when you get that neatly sort of explained to you in a very practical way, where like you're in a certain situation and you're jealous of a very specific other situation and then someone in this very specific other situation literally comes up to you and confides in you over like 40 minutes about how they hate everything about their situation. It's like, wow, oh. And more than anything, I just feel like, oh, so if I get what I'll want, I'll hate it. Like you, the lesson we should take is, oh, I should just be happy in my own situation and just enjoy the ride, you know? Because it's like you can always think, you can always have all these different feelings about all this shit, but we have to just relax and enjoy the ride. That's what we should take away from it. But instead I'm like, oh, I hate everything right now. And I'm working really hard towards getting into this d completely different situation. And when I get there, I'll hate it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hate it so much. I'm going to completely hate it. It's so funny. It's so funny. All right, let's drink another water. So, tangerine lime. 
We're doing tangerine, we're doing lime. This one is Sunny Select, which I talked about last episode. It's from Save Mart, I believe. Cause ya boy's poor. Mmm. Yeah, tangerine lime. It's definitely that thing I say where they, they slap two labels on it when when they can't come up with a clean, perfect flavor, they just mask it by mixing a bunch of shit together. You know what? That's not bad. That's not like LaCroix tangerine at all. Because it's no peel. It's all juice. It's sweet. It's that sweet, like just the sweet, actual f- juicy flesh of a tangerine. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's good. Mmm. Oh. Ah, relationships and intimacy are strongly connected with an anxious attacher's feeling of self-worth. You are attentive to, to your loved ones, almost to a fault. Others may end up taking advantage of your kind and generous nature. I don't know that people take advantage of me so much, but, but they do, I do waste a lot of time trying to please people who barely even notice me which is a an awkward setup people who clearly where I'm not even front of mind but all I know is that there was some slightly problematic thing or whatever I don't know okay next topic this is um I went to an AA meeting and um, I went to such a good meeting today, actually. But I went to a meeting a couple of days ago, and and so <clears throat> just a little bit of background here. Um, every AA meeting is a little bit different, but they share a lot of stuff, and each meeting has a sort of preamble. There's always a secretary who opens and closes the meeting, and the secretary reads the same thing, but each, each meeting, each meeting has their own template, their own, um, not template, their own script that you read from, but they they share a lot of similarities. And so here in California, I've noticed that they read all the steps and all the traditions for in the beginning of most meetings in Seattle, it was usually a little bit shorter, but I think pretty much always there's, there's a part that's actually in the it's actually called the preamble or something. And it's like always, always read. And it, it goes like this. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help each other to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. So the key thing here, oh, this reminds me of my novel too, because in my novel, it's all about, it's all Mikael Huenhals, my professor in Chinese. He wrote all these things and books and stuff when he was studying Chinese politics, and he's one of the foremost thinkers in the world on Chinese politics. And he wrote all these things about how if you want to understand the Chinese government, you have to notice these tiny shifts in language in these official documents. Like they will ratify the same document every year or each plenary session every four years, whatever. And then there's certain phrases, like they'll move words around 
in a sentence. And if it's moved up to the earlier part of the sentence, it means it's a higher priority. And it's like you don't know anything about what they're thinking. So that's all you have. You judge based on tiny usage of word, like swapping out synonyms, um, rearranging sentences, omitting stuff, just just fleshing out a part a little bit more means that it's more more important. Or like you know that a certain personality is associated with a certain phrase that they like the sound of. And then when that phrase disappears, that might mean that that um, political leader now is about to go to prison. And then six months later, it's announced that they're going to prison. But the people who really look closely on the text might know that in advance based on tiny changes in language and then with all of that you can use the chairman mao quote of uh, yeah let me paraphrase chairman mao here and say that if your phrasing is off by one millimeter your conclusion will be off by a thousand kilometers so the reason i bring that up is because this is similar because there's this aa preamble here and the the important part is the beginning alcoholics anonymous is a fellowship of men and women Blah, 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 you share, you're all alcoholics, blah, blah, blah. Excuse me, a little bit of a burp there. Um, so I'm at this meeting a couple of days ago, and this guy, and he's done this before, where he, well, he clearly, he never, he was mad about the masks. The masks, it is tough, because you read the traditions, there are 12 traditions to AA, and they're all about how AA does not have an opinion on outside issues. AA is not trying to be part of anything else. There's just this one thing, alcoholism. We're all alcoholics. We're all working on that together. And the whole point is to stay out of all the other issues that we could disagree on. We're only here for one reason. And so the first tradition is our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. So we have to stick together. But then there's this thing of COVID happens. So what do you do? Do you have in-person meetings? Do you make everyone wear a mask? And there is no good answer there. And I, I, COVID is a little bit unique, but I also don't think it is unique. I think I just don't know about, you know, everything that has ever happened enough to tell you that, you know, in the seventies, there was a thing that made, well, I don't know. Did they always allow, oh man, that's an interesting question. Like, did they always allow black people in the meetings? Cause I tell you that that's. That would be that would be very similar because it's, it, this stuff is this stuff with the masks is like AA did go mask and then there was lots of people that were just crazy right wingers and they just relapse and die and it's like you know I'm not a right winger so fuck them but it's also a little bit crazy and horrible and it's a shame that we can't that with some of these practical questions there is no way to not present an answer. So what happened here with this preamble is that it was voted on and we changed it from Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women to a fellowship of people. Now, when you present that idea to me, I clearly know what you mean. You mean that 
there's more than men and women in the world. There's just people that identify as other stuff, you know? You got the non-binary crowd. You got the couple of different pronouns going on. You got, you know, maybe some trans people that maybe aren't exactly, like, chilling with men or women kind of categories, you know? And then I can... I'm very happy to, like, take that argument with someone, and it seems very... It's one of those things where, like, okay, so let me actually tell the story here. And so what happened in the meeting a couple of days ago is that the secretary, who has been a piece of shit before because he hated masks, and he has just brought up politics as a secretary. And it's like, bro, it's one thing if you as a person in the meeting, you're sharing and you bring up something that has a little bit to do with politics, fine. But like, as a secretary, you have to be extra welcoming. And you have to make it extra not political. And he has failed that repeatedly. But so he describes how, yeah, I'm supposed to read the preamble now. And I'm supposed to say a fellowship of people. And I'm not supposed to say men and women. But it's like there are only men and women in here. And he just does this like bullshit right wing thing of like, what? Do you see anything in here that's not a man or a woman? Blah, blah, blah. You know? And then he says this like... Absolutely insane, hilarious, like Fox News word soup where he goes, uh, fellowship of people. This is part of cancel culture, which is part of critical race theory, which is politics. And we shouldn't be doing politics in here. And it's so fucking funny to me to say it like that because it's so like gobbledygooky Fox Newsy where you're like, <laughs> treat it as if it's that. Okay, so you got the major concept here is called cancel culture. And then there's a subpart of cancel culture called critical race theory. And then there's a subculture of critical race theory called we're not men and women anymore. And it's like as if those people are ne- as if those ideas are nested within each other in that way, as if that's the organizational chart of uh, Black Lives Matter, you know? Cuz it's all part of Black Lives Matter which is a subcategory of Antifa, you know? So fucking funny. <laughs> critical race theory. Critical. This is part of critical race theory. Because it's not, though, you know? It's like not, though. Having us say fellowship of people instead of fellowship of men and women, it's not part of critical race theory, and it's not, though, you know? You know what I'm saying, how it's not, though? Like how it's not, though? You know what I'm saying? So anyway... This makes me mad because he's like, this makes me hopping mad because I'm in this room of like mostly old white Americans. You know, this is the whitest county in California and it's around here. For some reason, the young people are kind of just doing fentanyl and not staying sober. So they're not really in the meetings. So most of the people are in their 60s. So even though they're hippies and and they aren't necessarily like Trump supporters, they're, you know, it's interesting. I mean... Opinions are interesting, and, and honestly, it's actually, we don't talk politics, so I don't know what their opinions are, but I think probably because they're old white people, there's a lot of people in that room that voted for Trump. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it makes me mad that I'm sitting there as the minority, and and it makes me mad because it's like, if you just let go, if you just stopped being a piece of shit, you could realize that you're not losing anything by saying fellowship of people 
Like, it's a, there's a pro column and there's an against column here. The pro column, the thing about changing it to fellowship of people that's good is so that the idea that there's even one person out there who is going through a thing with their identity where they don't really know that they, it really speaks to them to identify as a man or a woman, which I don't know that I think that's so like, people treat it as like, oh yeah, I'm like non-binary and that's my thing. People treat it as if that's like their final answer or whatever. I don't think that's that smart and I don't think that's that true. And I think it's like an evolving thing. And if you're identified as as non-binary, I think you should probably kind of work on it and maybe kind of get somewhere with it, you know? But it's like, I invite you to do that journey and probably end up just sort of at peace and realizing that the labels are like really arbitrary and that the labels are like an old timey thing that has to do with like vaginas and penises and stuff. And that we're not trying to oppress you with the labels, but like, I want to support you completely in your journey of like figuring out like how you can feel the most free and the most self-realized and the most evolved. And I like, I'm all there for it. I just don't want you to like stop halfway and just be like, yeah, I'm they. And like have a shitty, like have a shitty attitude. Yeah, I don't know. It sounded a little bit transphobic there, but but hey, look, this should needs to be a this needs to be a give and a take. Like we should be able to, you know, go back and forth with this. That's how things should evolve. Anyway, feel free to fucking shit on me in the comments. Um, the thing about it is that, like, the pro is that if we say fellowship of people, any. Even one person out there going through like an identity thing where they don't identify as a man or a woman who is an alcoholic who already feels so lonely because they have so many things going on at the same time. If we could just save like one person by changing the preamble, that would be awesome. And then you look over to the other column, the con column, and it's like there's nothing there. Like we don't – we as men and women or whatever – I don't necessarily really identify as a man is the thing, you know, so, which, but, but I don't give a shit, which I actually think is the highest answer, which is the answer I think everyone should get to. Spoiler alert. I'm not a man, but I don't give a shit, you know? So, um, he made me mad because he was acting as if something was being taken away from him in this like really sort of like white fragility, male fragility, such a Trump supporter thing just to be so fucking persecuted just because, just because you don't have like this complete monolithic hold on the culture. Just because not everyone on TV is white. Now you feel threatened. Like, you know that there's other people here. You know that we should share a little bit. It's like that thing about, you know, China as a rising power and people being so threatened by China. It's like, bro, if China is 18% of the world population and they... They start out with 2% of the world power and they get all the way to getting 18% of the world power. Is that such a big problem? You know? Anyway, I know that I'm a liberal and stuff and it's like, yeah, you know, 
white working class is definitely something where those guys are the victims of a lot of things and I wish they were not all, all on fentanyl and everything and, and, and yeah. But so then there's this guy. So I'm sitting there fucking fuming that this guy made it so political, that the secretary made it so political. And then <clears throat> there's this guy sitting right in front of me. Like we're facing each other and we're ignoring each other. And we haven't acknowledged each other. And it's like we're turning to the side to listen to other people, but we're sitting really close to each other, facing each other. And he seemed like I hated him. I just hated his energy and I hated him. And we hadn't said anything to each other. And I hadn't said a single word since I walked into the building. And he hadn't, I hadn't heard him say a single word. But then he just shares. He just starts sharing. And it's awesome. What he said was fucking awesome. He looked like such a piece of shit like trucker. He looked like a construction worker. He looked like someone who would catcall someone young. He looked like someone who would catcall a young woman. And then he said all these things in the share that were just awesome. And he was like, he was talking about how he had learned to surrender and to get really worked up about problems and then to just leave it to someone else. Just leave it that he gets involved and it just gets worse. And that he has developed a, a, a feeling of humility that he can, he can put this feeling in his entire body and it can make him just relax and give up and give the problem to someone else. And he kept saying these awesome things because he said it in this like really chill pedestrian blue collar way. He was like, I don't even like having the answers. That's what he said. I wrote that. I, when he said that, I, I took out my phone and I just wrote it down because I was like, that's such a great sentence. I don't even like having the answers. You know, he's so fucking enlightened and he's so fucking, he, he has so much like Buddhist disattachment that he goes, I don't even like having the answers. Because he is just sitting here, you know, fucking on a flower petal, being all fucking enlightened. And he doesn't give a shit. And then as he's sharing, I like real have this like realization about how me and the secretary are the same. Like, I feel attacked. Like, I feel like personally attacked as a liberal when he's all like fellowship of people is part of critical race theory. But the thing is that that's fucking made up though. Like I'm not personally attacked. It's just like word soup. And then I come up with some, I come up with some like big theoretical construct about like a hypothetical trans person that relapses and like fucking dies. And I get so worked up and it's like him in his, in his little human mind, he's just the same. And he just feels super attacked also. And he has some super complicated hypothetical construct in his mind about how if we change all of these words, then, you know, fucking Obama is going to send the immigrants to vaccinate our kids, you know. And it's made up and he's not attacked. But it's all the same. Like, we're all just like, <sighs> I just... Through the prism of the shitty construction worker sitting in front of me, I could like hold him up as a mirror and watch the secretary in the mirror of the construction worker and see myself. And in that moment, I was enlightened. Um, so let's do the third water here. 
The brand is called Crystal Lake. I can't remember where that's from. Sparkling spring water, unsweetened lime, 100% natural flavor. The cap is fucked up here because I didn't have a bottle opener. So I used the cap of this one bottle to open the Topo Chico. And we're gone. And we're going to taste it. Let's check the date. 2023, we're good. March 2023, we're good. Lime. You know what? Lime is, lime is good. Lime is underrated. As I smell that, I think to myself, lime is underrated. Mm. I've said that about lime before because it's easy to forget because there's so many shitty limes out there, shitty lime sparkling waters that you're like, fuck, lime is such a pedestrian. Everyone has lime. It's just the most basic bullshit next to lemon. And then you cross paths with a beautiful, well-made incarnation of lime. And then you, you just realize that, oh, there's a reason why we do lime on everything. Mm. That's just absolutely wonderful. I mean, it's so weird because it's like a cheap, shitty brand, but that's like a 9 out of 10. Crystal Lake. I don't know, you guys. I don't know. Shouts out to Teresa. Last time I <laughs> ended the episode with saying that no one's listening, fortunately, because I sounded like I was talking about how I wanted to have sex with Chef's wife the whole episode, episode 91. So inappropriate. So inappropriate. But um, I can't believe I just said that. I re regret saying that. Can we scratch that from the record? Um, I ended the last episode by saying, hey, no one is listening at least, so we're fine. And then Teresa just messaged me this morning and was like, I listened. And she gave me no, no context. And I'm like, you listened to what? What are you talking about? She's like, you said no one listened. I listened. It's like, Teresa, you're a homie. You're a fucking homie. You made it 90 minutes into that fucking episode. You a homie. Now, Teresa, I know that you think that Obama is sending the immigrants to vaccinate your kids, but... We're the same, you know? We're the fucking same. We both have like these made up constructs in our heads of how shit could go really bad. And um, we also both have the same concept of what the solution is. That the solution is for the Twitter anger to get out of the way and for people to just come back together and how people actually have a capability to connect and see themselves in each other and like cooperate and like be good people. Like the like intense hating of your neighbor doesn't actually come that natural to a human being, I think. But we've learned how to do it. We've learned how to do it. Yeah, I heard this one podcast that was really crazy about how how just like the, the human mind, I don't know if I can recreate this, but like there, there are these 
very, very different mind states where like being a child and being in a mind state of um, discovering and wanting to explore is like a really helpful, constructive, educational mind state. And like being outside and allowing your parents allowing you to just be in the forest with your friends, exploring and playing and like your parents not being afraid of you falling in the river and just letting you do that, even though it has some risk, it's like so important. And then the opposite, which is like having to defend yourself and having anger and having argument and having that stuff is like a very closed in educational very bad for development mind state and kids that grow up on instagram and their kids like i'm starting to really feel like the problem now isn't just social media the problem really is this thing of how um we don't let kids just fucking wander around outside willy-nilly because we probably should And then someone made the comparison that like maybe the reason all the video games now are just a video game where you're just like in a forest and you just see something weird in the distance and you just go look at it. Like maybe there's a reason that's the video games now because we don't like maybe there's a reason 90% of all kids want to pay money to have that experience is because they're not actually allowed to have that experience in real life. And we're probably losing something there. You know, as much as I love Breath of the Wild, I love Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, but we probably need to walk around in the real forest. Not me, though. I'm I'm over it. I hate the forest. Fuck the forest. Man. Hey, I curse a lot, but at least I don't use the N-word. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to episode 92 of my podcast. If you made it all the way here, then again, I say this a lot, but I really mean this. I love you 